Um, as we turn to Daniel chapter 3, I want us to look at verses 17 and 18. I want to read those, and we'll read some more from there a little bit later on. But let's just kind of start off with that. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And of course, we know that this is the story. Uh, we call it the story of the Hebrew children, the Hebrew boys, uh, who ended up in the fiery furnace, uh, who took a stand against uh, everyone and everything when they said they would not bow down to this false image, this false god that King Nebuchadnezzar had erected and put up. And given the opportunity uh, to, to compromise and, and given a one last chance opportunity to bow down, they said no. They said absolutely not. And we're going to get to that as we finish up our, our thoughts on this this morning. But I just kind of want to go over a few things that we talked about last week to get us going in the right direction here this morning. And we talked about how we seem to be living. Of course, we're living in a broken world, as Lori uh, sang this morning. And somewhat of a possible new, possible new reality for us as being a Christian has not really been all that difficult for us. Uh, we've, we're very blessed. We've been very blessed. And, and things have gone pretty well for us. We've, we've had to endure some ridicule. Uh, we've had to endure some things said about you Christians and uh, you religious people. We've had to deal with some of that. Um, and that really shouldn't surprise us in light of what Scripture says. And we read this in John fifteen twenty that if they persecuted him, they will persecute us. So it's really no surprise, really no surprise that difficulties come. And that when we decide to follow Jesus, there needs to be understanding, an understanding that there is a cost that we need to count. That maybe we haven't always done because we kind of live a blessed life as a Christian. We come to church, have a good time. We understand that through difficulties that our God is with us and things are going to be okay. But what does it do to us to understand that there are people around us who are dying and going to hell? Uh, people around us who have no regard for things of God or religion and, and that we have an opportunity in the way we live our lives and the way that we communicate to share truth with people. And yet sometimes we don't do that because the cost seems too high. If I say anything, I will get embarrassed or I will be pointed out as a religious fanatic. But we have a, we have a blessed truth. We have good news and it needs to be shared. And rather than bowing down and being quiet and compromising, we need to take a stand. There's a right way to take a stand. And we're going to see what the Hebrew boys did and the example that they gave us as we learn how to take a stand. But we need to take a stand for what is right, for what is true. Because it is, it is in our doing this that the people around us will see and hear truth that can change and transform their lives and their eternal destination. And hey, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here this morning. We're not here so that people can see our pretty faces 
because most of us have our pretty faces covered. So that's not why we're here. Uh, but we're here to learn and we're here to grow and we're here to be encouraged. And we're here to enjoy a, f- a semblance of fellowship that we, that, we, uh, that we need to have and is part of the church that God put together so many years ago. But we are blessed. And it may come to a point in our existence where we are more than just mocked because of our beliefs. It may come to a point where it's considered illegal for us to do certain things and say certain things and proclaim certain truths. So we need to understand what we believe and why we believe it. But even more so as we consider these possibilities and we think about these things, we need to consider what it is that we think about God as we contemplate the possibilities of these things and, and what we're going through. The, the jumping off point for us is, is this verse here in First Chronicles 16.25 to help us to understand how we need to think about God and what we need to think about God. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. And this applies when things are good, and this applies when things are bad. He is worthy to be praised. He is great and greatly to be praised. When things are good and when things are bad, when things are going right and when things are going wrong. When it seems as if he is hearing our prayers and answering them in the way that we asked him to. And when it seems that when we pray that our prayers don't go above the ceiling and that he's not listening and he's not answering our prayers the way that we want him to. He is still God. He is still who he says he is. He is still doing what he said he was going to do. And as difficult as days get and as difficult as living may seem at times, we need to understand that. And, you know, troubles sometimes are nothing new for Christians. We see it all throughout history. We see it in the story that we're talking about today. And we see it right off as, as you look in Daniel chapter 3 that even the higher authorities in the land are not willing to acknowledge God. But even though they're not willing to do that, he is still God. God is God. It doesn't change a thing. And in our story for today, we've got King Nebuchadnezzar who had this golden statue set up and he expected, as a matter of fact, he told everybody that you're going to bow down to this statue. And when you hear the horn blown and the music played, what happens is you will bow down to this statue. And you know, we talked about how odd it seems to bow down to an inanimate object to bow down to a statue. It just seems weird to do that. Now, to bow down to God, to somebody who's alive, somebody who's real, somebody who created everything that we see, somebody that provided a way for us to be saved, it makes perfect sense. And it seems that we were created, we were created for this very thing. But to bow down to an inanimate object seems ridiculous. But we do it every day when we decide that our jobs, our careers, certain people, the money that we make, the things that we have are more important to us than God is. And do Christians do that? Do Christians make such a decision 
on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely we do. We make decisions every day, every week that show God in that moment, God, this is more important to me than you are right now. And, you know, it's, we live in a fallen world, so these things will happen. But we have seen in government in this particular story how government and the high authorities in the land did not give God the praise and honor that he deserved. And we've seen it in our country as we talked last week about how our government has tried to take away, make God feel uh, unwelcome in our society as people who years ago took a stand for things that morally were were right. They stood for what was right. And then years later, because the, the, the culture has moved a different direction, they have suddenly said, well, I was misinformed and I wasn't in my right mind or whatever, so now this is how I feel about it. And people are embracing immorality and they're embracing things that are wrong. And our government has stood behind things that are immoral and they've stood behind people who have tried to redefine marriage and they've stood behind people who say it's okay to kill babies and they've stood behind people who said racism was okay and they've stood behind people who said that going out in the streets and rioting and damaging and killing is okay. And so we have a government that says, you know, believe what you want to believe, but this is the way of the land and this is what we're standing behind now. And what does it say about us and what does it say about our country when the decision that we have to make as far as who is going to be our leader, it comes down to us making a decision, who is the lesser of two evils? There are good things to be said about all people, I think. You can look at any person and say, well, they're good about this and they're good about that. And we've had leaders that have proclaimed to be Christians and to follow God, but they're still not perfect and they still make bad choices and they say things that they shouldn't say, which should encourage us as a country to pray for our leaders, to pray for leaders and people in positions that will seek God's wisdom and the decisions that have to be made. Not to make decisions based on emotions or, well, so-and-so said something about me, so I'm going to do this to them. You know, we need to pray for our leaders. It needs to be, you know, Jeff uh, stood up here this morning and said, pray for our country, and we've got to do that. We've got to make it more than just something we say, like, have a nice day or great weather we've been having. Pray for our country. We need to pray for our country, and we need to pray for our leaders. I'm not trying, amen, I'm not trying to, to make you feel guilty But how many times this past week have you gotten on your knees and prayed for our country? How many times have you gotten on your knees and prayed this week? You have to pray on your knees? No, you don't have to pray on your knees. I just feel like it's a good position to take. William, how many times have you gotten on your knees and prayed? Not enough. But we need to pray for our countries, our leaders, and we need to pray for them to make decisions for our country after having gone to God and sought wisdom from him. But in this story, Nebuchadnezzar cared nothing about the God of Israel. It seems like in our country, many of our leaders don't care anything about the God that we serve. So if we have leadership in our country that feels this way, 
then certainly there are going to be a lot of people in this country and a lot of people in this world who feel the same way. Because if our leaders are showing that it's not important to serve God, then the people are going to follow suit. They will. And that's one thing we saw in this story. Even though the world rejects him, he is still God. Even though the world rejects him. We looked at verse number 7 that says, Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet and the flute and the harp and the sackbut, the psaltery and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And so the king said, when you hear these things, this decree is being issued. You bow down. You bow down to this idol and you worship, worship this idol. So people seem to do that with no conviction, with no concern for immorality. They did what they were told to do. They bowed down. And it seems like we see a lot of that in our day, too. It seems like the majority of people could care less that our country is becoming more and more immoral and things that used to shame bring shame and embarrassment and horror to us people are celebrating and lifting up and excited about and we are in a broken world we're in a world that is cradled in the arms of our father thank god but this world is a broken world and we need to be willing to take a stand and take a stand for what is right and not bow down and compromise our beliefs in what we know to be true. And for these three Hebrew boys that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to take a stand, even though all those around them were willing to bow down. What does that say about these young men? They understood who God was. They knew that no matter what, God was God. But you know, you gotta, you know, it stands to reason that there were other people that had been taken as captives and brought to the palace, brought to this place, who had professed to believe in God. And yet these people seemed to have no convictions, and they had no problem bowing down. How many of us, how many of us as Christians in the world today have no problem saying, well, if that's the way the culture goes, what can we say, what can we do? If that's the way that the court has decided things, then what can we say and what can we do? I know it's wrong. I know the Bible says it's wrong. But what can I say? What, what can I do? And so we see a, a world, we see a country that seems to care nothing about the fact that we are becoming increasingly immoral. But these young men had a problem with it and they took a stand and they gave us an example. And that brings us to the next point and this is where that was all uh, recap from last week. So let's finish up with the, the last few points that I have to say about this particular story. That is this, that even though his followers may forsake him, God is still God. Even though we may fail in the purpose that he has placed us on this earth to fulfill, even though we fail to take a stand when we need to take a stand, even though we have an opportunity to share the truth and we decide not to do so, you know, he is still God. Here's some other good news. This is another message entirely. But when we fail and when we mess up and when we make a mistake, he doesn't throw us out. 
He doesn't get rid of us. He's still working on us. He's still allowing us the opportunity to, for, to, for us to say, God, use me. God, work through me and surrender to that in our lives. See, we have this, this way of thinking that everybody's okay with us as long as we're doing the right thing. But the minute that we mess up, the minute that we make a mistake, the minute that we fall, then they're done with us and they'll just throw us away. And this bleeds into our spiritual lives as well. If I mess up, if I have failed God, then he's done with me. He has given me as, as much grace as he's going to give me. And he's just done with me, so I might as well just leave the church and, and live any old way because he's done with me. But salvation is an eternal thing. And what Christ does in our hearts and in our lives is a forever thing. He doesn't need to get back up on the cross and die for you again. He's done it once. Scripture says once for all. And as long as we live in a broken world, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail and we're going to do wrong. But we look back to the cross. We look to what Christ did for us. We look to the love that he continues to have for us. We read the scriptures that tell us that when we stumble and fall, he will pick us back up and help us to get right in the right direction and on the right path. And we are encouraged by that. And we are encouraged by the love that he has for us. And we wake up for a new day and a new opportunity to surrender to him and let him do what he wants to do in and through us. But even though, as we have said, there were probably other people that came along with these three boys from, from other people that were, that were from Jerusalem and, and they were brought into the palace and to this area. And, and they were probably ones that, that said they were, they were followers of God that, that bowed down anyway. So even though his followers forsake him, God is still God. He is still God. Um, so it seems like today uh, the church is not really that much different than the rest of the world. Um, and that's a sad thing. We can come to church on Sunday and we can worship God. And then the rest of the week we can worship ourselves or we can worship material things. Or we can worship other people. We don't even give another thought to things of God until Sunday rolls back around. But Scripture is very clear that that's not the way that we are to live, and we can't do that. Uh, Luke sixteen thirteen tells us this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So it tells us here that there's a choice to make. There is an initial choice that we make to follow Jesus. There is an initial choice that we make to become a Christian. And from then on, we have a choice to make. Okay, am I going to live today for Christ? Or am I going to live today for Him? Or for me? Am I going to do what the Word of God says and live the way the Word of God says to live? Or am I going to live the way that I want to live and do what I want to do? And the choice is ours to make. We have that choice to make. And it's not always an easy choice to make. And when we think about making that choice, let's think about these young men. Now, we know how this story ends up. It's a great story. It is a, a story that encourages us. Many songs actually have been written recently about the fourth one in the fire, in the fiery furnace. 
we know how it all ends out and ends up. And it's a great ending to a great story. But you got to understand that in, while this story was being played out, these boys did not know how the story was going to end. And so they had to make a decision and they had to make a choice. And the choice that they made that day was not to bow down to this idol, to this statue, but to stand and proclaim the awesome power and wonder of the one true God. So they made that choice, and it was not an easy choice. They remained faithful. Do we remain faithful on a daily basis when we have the opportunity to take the way that Christ wants us to take or to take the way of the world? And as we get into verses 8 and 28 of this story, we see the final point that I want to make, and that is <clears throat> even though troubles will come to those who follow him, even though difficulty comes to those who are his own, he is still God. He is still God. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were commanded, just like everyone else there that day, to bow down. They were told that they needed to bow down, and when it was found out that they were not bowing down, there were those people who were more than happy to run and tell the king that there's three that aren't bowing down like you told them to. These are, these are people that we call tattletales, troublemakers. Uh, there's never a shortage of those. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe you have been, could, could have been categorized as a tattletale at some point in your life. But there was somebody that was willing to go to the king and say, hey, look, these over here, these ones over here, they're not doing what you said to do. <clears throat> and infuriated the king. <clears throat> because a king, excuse me, a king likes the power that he has. And he likes to exert that power over people. And when people don't do what he says, then it is, a, it is an attack against his authority. And he did not like that. But he gave those boys another opportunity. He said, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance to bow down because you know that if you do not bow down, you will be thrown into this fiery furnace. And all of us have at some point in our lives, I'm sure, imagined what this fiery furnace looked like and, and how awful it would be to have to enter into one of these things. Now, when it's cold, we all like to be warm. But have you ever gotten just a little close to the fire? Have you ever, have you ever uh, gotten a little close to the source of heat and realized you need to back up a little bit? As cold as some of you get in here, I don't know that that would, that would categorize you. But, you know, think about that. Have you ever thought about the fiery furnace and what that had to be like? Well, what did the boys do? You know, surely thinking about the heat, thinking about what would happen if they were put in there, they, they second-guessed their decision I can't do that. It's just not, I, we can't do that. But they did not make that choice. And as a matter of fact, they spoke to the king. And I'm going to tell you what they did. They didn't go to the king and, and shout at him. They didn't go to the king and stomp about and make a big fuss and yell. Scripture tells us that they didn't really even try to talk their way out of it. Have you ever been in trouble and tried to talk your way out of it? You know what that's like, right? Especially if you have a brother or a sister and you did something. 
to them, and they went, and they were a tattletale like we talked about a few minutes ago. And they told mom and dad what you did, and then when you got in front of mom and dad, you tried to talk your way out of it. Well, they did this to me. Well, they only did this because of this. and what. They didn't try to talk their way out of it. But they were very respectful in what they said to him. But they didn't back down. But they didn't stomp and they didn't shout and they didn't make a fuss either. And I think that's a lesson to you and me because I think what we need to realize, and this is so important and I want to read this to us because I don't want to mess this up, that our love for souls, our love for the lost, should forbid us from becoming a bully with the truth. Now, I want you to hear that. Our love for the lost should forbid us from becoming a bully with the truth. You see, a lot of times shouting and stomping and yelling is a sign of weakness. But there is strength, and genuine strength, I believe, is always coupled with a humility and an understanding that I'm here, I'm standing firm on the truth, and I'm going to give you truth. And I'm going to stand for what is right. And this is what is right, because this is what the one true God says. And he, I'm, I'm saying this, standing on the solid rock. I'm saying this with my God firmly around me and inside of me, above me and below me. And I can say to you that this is the truth, that I will not bow down to any other than the one true God. And he, they show us how it's done. They show us how we are to give truth and how we are to share truth with one another. And so they did this and they stood firm and they took a stand for what was right. And yet the decision was made that they would have to go into the fiery furnace. In verses 17 and 18, if it be so, this is what they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not be it known unto thee o king that we will not serve the gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up so what they were proclaiming there is that god had the power to deliver them god had the power to take care of them but even if he didn't they were still not going to bow what a decision what a decision and we we complain and grumble because the Lord wants us to tell somebody that Jesus died for their sins. Will we bow down? Or will we stand firm? And in love for the lost, proclaim truth that can change their lives for the better. They said, God could save us. He can do it. But if he doesn't, we're still going to do what's right. Whether he saves us or not, God is still God. God is God. That was their proclamation. And they didn't know how things were going to work out. As, as, as far as they knew, they could go into that furnace and burn up and never be seen or heard from again. So they were cast into the fire. You know how the story goes. They were cast into the fire. And it was heated much hotter than it would normally be heated. And it was heated so hot that the men that placed them in the furnace were burned up. So they had to be in the same proximity 
as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to be burnt up. But the boys were not burnt up. They were not burnt up. They were, and as a matter of fact, they weren't consumed at all by the flames. They're, they're, the, the bonds that bound them were, but they were not. Verse 24 says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Four men not bound, but four men loose. Because as is seen throughout history, when a lost person comes to Christ, the chains that bind him are, are loosed and taken away. And we see this picture in this story as well. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Well, I believe that if it is like the Son of God, then who is it? Who has it got to be? Who's in the fire with the men? So, you know, they were released from the furnace. And not one hair was singed. Men, how many of us have started the grill? And it, it poofed up and singed our eyebrows or our facial hair or our hair. How many times has that happened? It's not a good experience. Nothing on them was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. You know, we've been looking for a car for Nicholas, and we've gotten into some cars. We've looked at some, trying to find a good used car, and we've gotten into some cars that you could tell without any question that whoever owned that car before was a smoker because you smelled it. But there wasn't even the smell of smoke on these men. It's just amazing. Everything about this story is amazing, and everything about this story is true. But, you know, if it had gone in the completely opposite direction, and if all of these men had died, God is still God. And how important it was for these young men to say that before they were placed into this fiery furnace. So are we, are we a generation of people are we a generation of followers of Jesus that would be able to stand in the face of such fear and horror and, and bad circumstances? Are we willing to stand for what is right and what is true? You know, we hold on to Scripture, and, and I'm glad we have Scripture to hold on to. And one of the things, one of the Scriptures that we hold on to in difficult times is that Romans 8:28 Scripture that says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. For them, to them who are called according to his purpose. And that scripture does not say that all things will work out as we have planned. And all things will work out as we would like. It says all things will work out for good. And I stand before you today and there are some times when I don't even know what is good. And what is right in some situations. I just have to trust the Lord. And I can because you know what? He always knows what is good. And he is a sovereign God. And he knows what's right. And he knows what is good. And we've got the example of the man named Job in the Old Testament who had things happen to him that we have never had happen. Everything that went wrong could go wrong. And here's what Job said. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what these Hebrew boys said. We may live, we may die, 
he's still God. That's what they said. And Job, with everything that happened to him, he, he never doubted God. He didn't forsake God. He trusted that God was God. And that's the same assurance that you and I can live in today. You know, we got a, we got a, we got a storm hitting the coast. We're going through this difficulty with our numbers being terrible every day according to this virus. God is still God. Whether the numbers go up, whether the numbers go down, God is God. No matter where that storm blows and no matter what damage it does, God is still God. No matter what unspeakable tragedies that you and I have to go through, no matter what loss we have to experience in our lives, no matter what uncertainty that we have to face, God is still God. God is God. Here's what's going to happen in your life at some point. You're going to question that. You're going to question why things are going on the way they are, why things are happening the way that they are happening. And you're going to question, does God even care about me? And so that's why Scripture is so precious to us because Scripture always has the answer. And Scripture always gives us the encouragement that we need. So when those difficult times come and we're asking that question, we can go to Scripture like 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So what you and I can say at the end of all that we've talked about for these past two weeks is that even though higher authorities will deny him, even though the world may reject him, and even though his people may forsake him, and even though trouble may come to those who follow him, to those of us who follow him, God is still God. He is still God. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell us right there that he is able to heal he is able to deliver but even when he doesn't he is still God and we look to God for everything scripture says that he's the author and the finisher of our faith he is the beginning and the ending he is the alpha and the omega the one who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. We like things to begin and we like things to end. We like a start and we like a stop. We like resolution. We like things to be finished. We don't like things floating around and not done. We just don't feel comfortable with that. We also like things to start and finish on time. Don't we? We like the service to start here and we like for it to finish here. We like for difficult times, you know, if they've got to start, let them start. But we like for them to finish, and we want it to be done on our time. But if it doesn't finish when we want it to finish, God is still God. And he is the beginning and the ending. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means that he's the one that gives us the faith that we need, and he's the one that brings that faith to fruition when one day our faith will be made sight and we will see him face to face. And then we'll know that the broken part is over and the really, really good part that we're promised and we've been looking forward to has come to be.
What a beautiful time that is going to be. Now, we're facing difficulties that are temporary, people. You know, even though in the middle of the week, when Wednesday hits, and we're still struggling, we feel like our troubles are going to be forever. When we have lived a life dealing with an issue or a problem or a difficulty, we may feel like it's never going to stop. It's never going to end. But it is temporary. And God was God before whatever happened happened. God is God while you're going through it. And God is going to be God whenever it's done and whenever it's finished. And here's what you and I have got to do. We've got to keep standing. We've got to keep praising. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep loving. We've got to keep hoping and serving and proclaiming the word of God. We've got to stop worrying and doubting. We've got to cease being afraid. We've got to have total faith in God. We've got to trust him for everything that we need. And you know what? God honored the faith of these three Hebrew boys. God will honor your faith as well. He will not leave you helpless or hopeless. He will not abandon you. Let me go so far as to say he cannot abandon you. Because he promised he would never leave you. So he cannot leave you. He cannot abandon you. You're not alone in what you're going through. God is still God. And what we will go through as his church and what we will go through as a nation, God is still God. And I want to finish with these words from Isaiah because God always has the final say and his word is the last word. In Isaiah 43, 2, he says that when you pass through the waters... I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, they're not going to overtake you. They're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. What it seems to me he is saying is that I am with you, and I will always be with you, and I am still God. So, do we live like that? Do we live making the decision that when placed before us is the option to choose God or choose something else? Are we choosing God? When we have the opportunity to surrender our life on a daily basis to Him and say, God, whatever you want, let's do it today. I'm game. I'm, I'm willing. I'm here. Use me. Do what you want to do. Let's make that our decision. Let's make that our proclamation. That's, let's make that our decision to stand for what is right when everyone else seems to be bowing down. Even those fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who may seem to be making wrong choices. It's just an opportunity for us to encourage them, lift them up in prayer, and personally make a decision to be like these Hebrew boys. And have a love enough for those that are lost and those that are misdirected. And give them the truth of what the word of God says.